Welcome to the Fly Crate Podcast, brought to you by the Fly Crate, the easiest way to discover new trout flies. To learn more about their monthly Fly Crate Club and their shop, visit www.theflycrate.com. Now on to the show. What's going on, guys? Colton Orbaker here with Nymphing 102. This is an extension of our first intro to nymphing course and uh, via the podcast, so if you wouldn't mind checking that out, that would be great. Uh, today we're going to kind of break down a couple of rigs and techniques that are a little more, I would say, on the intermediate side, and also to break down what exactly to the essence of what is nymphing and what is the purpose. Now, we're going from fall into winter, but we're not going to specifically talk in about those times of the year specifically, but it is important to note that those two times of the year, whether it be spring, summer, and fall, all require slightly different changes to our basic nymph rigs. Now, let's talk about our basic nymph rigs. So there are generally two camps that we talked about as far as the type of nymphing you'll do. One being an indicator style nymphing. We talked about that in the last, uh, you know, 101 course. And then the other is more like a Euro or tightline nymphing style um, where it's a little more direct contact. Now both have their pros and cons. Um, typically an indicator fishing nymph rig, you're able to fish a little farther away from you. Now that's also a little easier to do from the boat sometimes as well. Uh, but what I feel are the cons to that is that you actually miss more strikes than you would tightline nymphing because of the lack of uh, control and sensitivity. But what you do gain is distance. When you tightline nymphing, you're essentially limited by how close you can get. Now, sometimes if you're a sloppy waiter, if you will, then you aren't able to get as close to the fish as you need to be. Um, now, many competitive style rods, nymph rods, allow you to get pretty far out there. They're 10 to 13, 14 foot, some of them. And that has its advantages because you're able to get your, your gear right in front of the fish, or right above the fish, rather. But And you're able to usually feel and, and take more subtle takes uh sensitivity in the rod helps but also just having a direct connection through your line to that fish rather than worrying about an indicator and uh sight fishing if you will so they have their pros and cons but we're going to skip over those and go kind of into how to rig uh some basic styles of of rigs for these you know under both types of of scenarios now I would suggest that in both systems, both an indicator and a tightline nymphing system, we have a point fly. And what I mean by that is this. At the very most bottom of your rig, the farthest fly from the tip of your fly rod, your nymph at that bottom point should be the heaviest in your rig. That'll help prevent um, foiling, uh, but it'll also help uh, with having a more direct line and seeing more either action in the indicator on a take or feeling and seeing your sighter on your uh, Euro style or tightline nymphing style rig uh, move. And so what I typically will do, and we'll start with first the Euro nymphing style, the tightline nymphing style that I like to use first. So how I rig mine typically is this. A typical Euro style rig would consist of a point fly, usually a heavier uh, tactical or jig style uh, hook, slotted hook at the bottom, or slotted bead hook at the bottom, and that's the heaviest. Then from there, uh, your next highest bead, or sorry, your next highest nymph will be some form of, of weighted nymph that is in direct line. Now, some guys like to 
use tag ends on blood knots. Some guys like to tie directly into the rig. Now, for this 102 course, if you're just getting into nymphing and you you know you may understand what we talked about in 101, the first podcast, I believe it was podcast number nine for the fly crate, then we're fairly new to fishing, and I'm going to suggest that you do an overhand knot directly into uh, where we're going to build this leader up here, this these uh, tippet uh, sections in a second, and I'll explain how to do that. And then the highest in the column will be your lightest nymph. Maybe it's unweighted. Maybe it's on a tag end. But I would suggest that your highest would either be, if you're in the spring, maybe an emerger or um, some form of pupa that's a that or or larva that is an uh, or an attractor, whether it be it could be a squirmy wormy or something of that nature, or a bright buzzer or something. And then from there you get your cider or whatever you're going to use um, connecting your fly line to your or your main running mono line to your tippet. Now, how I usually set this up is this. If you're for this 102 course, it's going to be very simple. You have your piece of tippet, okay? You use an, uh, uh, whether it be a perfection loop or a double surgeon's loop, and you connect it to your fly line or your running line or your, uh, you know, your um, tippet ring. And then from there, you have this long piece of mono. I would thread on there first. Your lightest or your attractor fly that's going to be highest in the column. Your buzzer, your emerger, your squirmy wormy, if you will. Your bright midge in the winter. And that's going to be about maybe two and a half to three foot, okay, above your, you know, into your 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 tippet from the, from the end that's, that's free. Then you tie in a simple four-turn clinch knot in that, to that fly, making sure to wet it very carefully. And, and smoothly pull it shut and cinch it. Then about six to eight inches, maybe even a foot from that, I would then thread on your, your second heaviest fly, whether it be the, a beadhead hare's ear or a, another tactical style beaded uh, you know, nymph that would get down quickly or your zebra midge or black beauty, jujubatus, what have you, your prince nymph, okay, then once you have both of those about a foot, maybe six inches, foot, eight inches, depending on how deep the water column is, I would then take your heaviest point fly and then tie that to the remainder. Now, I would probably leave a little extra room between your second and third fly in case you need to add weight. Now, if you're fishing really skinny water, skinny water meaning really shallow water, then you probably won't need weight with this rig. But if you're fishing deeper or faster water, then you may need to add a little bit of split shot on there or or sink putty. So now this is all in retrospect because, or in retrospect rather, uh, in New York we can fish three flies. And so that's my system. In some states, check your regulations. You may only be able to fish two, so change that rig accordingly. Okay, whether you want to leave on the flashy uh, attractor fly and take out the middle fly, I would always keep the point fly, and I would keep a fly that you know they're going to want, or you, should, you, you hope they're going to want. And that's the easiest way to rig a tight line Euro-style nymphing you know, rig. The only thing, if you want to be more a little more advanced with it, is maybe on your second fly, when you tie it on, you leave that a long tag end, and you put a, an unweighted fly on. 
So instead of having three flies directly in line, you have your first fly, your attractor fly, with a long tag end. And that long tag end has a, you know, an unweighted nymph on there that can kind of bounce along. And then from the, the shank of the hook, you tie on your point fly. This works in really rocky areas as well as areas with a lot of vegetation because if you lose that, that point fly, then you're not losing your entire rig. So it's a little more, a little more technical, more knots to worry about, but at the same time, it's definitely doable for newer to intermediate anglers. And hopefully we'll have some illustrations to go along with this. There's an article I'm working on right now, and uh, hopefully that'll help. But let's move on to our indicator system. It works very similarly, okay? So underneath your indicator, whether it be, when we talked about this before, whether it be a, a hard body indicator, um, some for, form of a foam sticky, or, you know, whether it be wool or hair, I would, uh, I would make sure that your heaviest fly is at the bottom. There's a little bit of room for extra weight if need be. Have your second heaviest, maybe a bead head, a hare's ear, prince nymph, a stone fly, if you will, you, an unweighted stone fly. And then maybe, you know, your attractor fly up top. Basically what you're looking to do is you're looking to draw fish in and have them strike. And if they're able to strike closer to the indicator, that's less slack that the fish is going to have to pick up to make the indicator move so you can see the indicator move and you can set the hook. Again, you're trying to eliminate slack here. Now, to fish an indicator rig, you want to get away with the lightest, most sensitive rig or uh, indicator you can for the weight of the system you're fishing. So if you have a really heavy nymphs underneath a an indicator, make sure that indicator is sensitive enough to where if the fish takes, you can see subtle changes. You want to be able to see almost the nicks. Though every time the your nymphs hit the bottom or hit something you want to see the indicator kind of slightly pause after you see a couple takes from fish you're going to notice and really understand what it looks like when a fish takes an, uh, an indicator or bob or whatever you want to call it but you want to make sure that your point fly for in most cases is at the bottom of the water column so whether it be a, a fly crate exclusive tactical uh, bullet style get down fast nymph make that your point fly have it bounce along the bottom um, you're going to see your indicator move a little bit or you're going to feel those those ticks on your euro style uh, nymph rig when you run it along the seams of and, and of the current and then whenever and you want that second fly to kind of be because you, you have it about a foot maybe maybe 18 inches six inches depending on the water column you're going to try and hit basically right along the bottom a little higher, and then a little higher in that column. And you're going to basically be searching for fish. Now, if you know where fish are, fish generally hold in the same place annually every year. So if you know there are fish in a certain spot, this is trout specifically, in a certain spot in a river this time of the year, well, guess what? That spot's going to hold fish most of the year. So be aware of that. They're, they're very cyclical, if you will. So fish areas with a higher likelihood of holding fish, you're going to find more success, uh, you know, you can substitute a, an indicator for a dry fly and take one of your nymphs off uh, anytime, especially in August when you're looking at uh, high-floating, really sturdy foam sometimes, uh, dry flies that are going to be able to hold a lot of weight under your nymph. Uh, just make sure that 
you're getting out and trying these new techniques. We, we, we like to get on the podcast and tell you all these things, but it really comes down to taking the knowledge we give you and applying it in the real world, okay? You're not going to catch fish by sitting on the couch. Take us with you. Take us in the car. Take us on your iPod, your iPad, your iPhone, your Android phone, what have you, and we're going to try and do our best to make sure you're catching fish and having a great time. This is Colton Orbaker. Again, I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Stay tuned for part three, a more advanced nymphing uh, podcast. And uh, until next time, guys, please leave us a good rating on iTunes on, and on any of the platforms you're listening to the podcast on. We appreciate every listener. And until next time, guys, catch you guys on the flip side. Tight lines, and we're out.